Today we find ourselves at a very interesting place in the church year. It's the end of the church year. Today's the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. Next week we begin a whole new cycle of the church year. A cycle brought to us by, with all of the readings from Holy Scripture that try to fashion to us into a people of God that can really make an impact on this world in, in which we live. Today we find ourselves at the end of a cycle. We're just finishing now what is the longest liturgical cycle in the church year. It's called Pentecost. Pentecost with its focus on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would come after his death and resurrection and ascension and would guide the church through the turbulent future for however long that was until Jesus comes again. We live in that middle part between the time that the Holy Spirit came to strengthen, to encourage, and to guide us and the time for which we wait when Jesus Christ comes again. All through this Pentecost season, we've been looking at what that means to be Pentecostal people, to be people who have committed themselves to be open to the Holy Spirit, that he might have some control over their life and give them the courage that he gave those first apostles who while in that upper room in prayer, as God had commanded them, waited for the coming of the Spirit. And when the Spirit came and filled them with the knowledge and the desire to bring the gospel to the world, encouraged them to throw open the shutters that had closed all the windows on the building in which they were, and to open the doors that had been barred against the outside for fear that the same soldiers who came for Jesus would come for them and ventured out into the marketplace and began sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with all that they met. And with that encouragement that they went out and with that determination saw the Spirit work within them so that people from all nations who had gathered in Jerusalem heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and many quickly embraced it. And the church was immediately birthed and began to grow. And we are the extension of that great miracle that happened 2,100 years ago uh, in Jerusalem. And it's now you and I who are on the front lines to bring the message of Jesus Christ to others. All through these 25 weeks past of the Pentecost season, we have been focusing on those aspects of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we ought to live and that we ought to preach and to share with others to bring them into a knowledge of the gospel. And all of the readings that we had today focus on a very special aspect of what all of that means, of recognizing Jesus as the king that he professed himself to be before Pilate and having no other king in our life 
no other Lord, no other master, but Jesus himself, and to allow him to call us into his service and to give us an opportunity to share with others. In the, in the first reading that we had from the book of Daniel, we read of Daniel's vision that God gave him when he himself was a slave in Babylon, having seen his kingdom of Judea fall to the hands of the Babylonians and be carried off into slavery to end the kingdom that the Jews had requested from God and had reigned over them for over a thousand years. And now a new day was borning in their life. And Daniel saw that in the context of all the kingdoms that would rise and fall in this world. And he gave that great prophecy that foretold all of the kingdoms of the world that would come together and would rise to prominence and would rule for a number of years and then would be taken over by a warring kingdom and one cycle would follow another as nations rose and fell. But the gospel was consistently preached throughout all of those times. And it's very interesting that in all of those kingdoms that, that Daniel saw and foretold and all that history has recorded, the interesting cycle has been that most of these kingdoms, with all the power that they had to rule the world with their temporal strength, lasted somewhere between two and three hundred years before they were eclipsed by another power that rose from somewhere else. And they all followed that cycle. And the interesting thing is that they're all gone. There is no kingdoms anymore. There are no kings anymore. Oh, there are two or three royal families that serve their nation out of tradition and they're simply ceremonial figureheads or constitutional figureheads. But there's no royal power anymore anywhere on the earth. There is no king on the earth but Jesus. Jesus is the only king that rules today. And that's what we celebrate as we come to the end of this year because this year ends on a high note. It doesn't trickle down to an end, but it builds up to the end. And we find ourselves on a mountaintop experience facing Jesus who through the gospel declared himself to be our king. And we submit ourselves to the king. And from this mountaintop, we are able to look back at the past and see other mountaintops that were involved in the bringing of this kingdom. The Mount of Sinai, where God appeared to Moses and gave him the law that ruled his people for thousands of years. We, saw, we see the Mount of Calvary, where Jesus Christ entered onto his first throne as king. Not a beautiful decorated throne as described in the book of Revelation or even in Daniel's uh, vision 
or even in the Psalms, but a throne that was a cross because he is a king unlike any king and he rules over a kingdom unlike any kingdom. And we're reminded that Jesus Christ must be the only king in our life. And so we end the Pentecost season with the celebration of Jesus Christ, our King. And we're given an opportunity to acknowledge that in praise and worship and to come to a realization of that in our own minds and to make commitments of ourselves to recognize, to accept, and to fulfill that call to be subjects of the King. Jesus Christ, our one and only King. It's interesting to note that this Feast of Christ the King is not an ancient ceremony. It's not an ancient feast observed by the Christian church throughout its history. The concept of Jesus has been there all the time, but there has not been a feast such as this until relatively modern times. For the Christian church to acknowledge liturgically Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to come together and exclusively worship him in that way only dates back to around 1925 or 1930. It was the end of the First World War. Remember the First World War? It was the war to end all wars. Didn't do too well, did it? What the First World War did was to fragment the world. And as the leaders of the Christian church saw this rise of nationalism taking place all over Europe and all over the world, they realized that it was time to concentrate on the true focus of the only thing that could ever unite us and give us the peace that we strive to, to, to earn by that war. And so they established a feast in which we were called to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and to acknowledge him as our only king. And that means that we make him the priority in our life and we serve him because only he can give us the peace that we desire. Only he can give us the personal peace and the world peace as nations come to recognize him and acknowledge him. And we are called to commit ourselves to making that happen. We've been doing that for some time here at St. Paul. We refer to it as impacting the world. And the way we impact the world is to bring them Jesus and to let them see Jesus and the teachings of Jesus at work in the, in the world and how they can make a difference. And yes, we're called to preach the gospel. We're called to share the gospel with others. But most importantly, we're called to live the gospel. Because it's what we do and how we live 
that makes the real impact on other people's lives. It's not what we say. It's what they see in us. It's what we really do. And those things we can only do when Jesus Christ is truly the Lord of our life. When he is the only king. And so today, we gather on this mountaintop, looking back to all that has happened in the past, not only what's happened in the history and in the scriptural context of the world, but what's happened in our life. It's time for us to look back, see how well we have done in being Christians who are committed to impacting the world for Jesus Christ to see and take great pleasure in the successes that we have seen by hearts that have been changed and people that have been brought to Christ. But also to see some of the shortcomings that have been ours, some of the failures that we have experienced. And a failure is not a failure if it teaches us a lesson and commits us to be stronger and to do better, and to be more faithful. And that's where we are today. We're looking back to learn from what has happened, but we also look to the future. And next week, we start a whole new liturgical year, a time of expectation as we await the coming of Jesus Christ that we will celebrate at Christmas time. And remind ourselves that this is Jesus giving us an opportunity to recommit ourselves. To come use that Advent season as a season of revival. To come to life so that when Jesus comes into our midst again, ceremonially and liturgically, as he did 2,000 years ago, and lived among us and took our life as his life, that we commit ourselves to live into that and to follow it in, in a stronger way. We're at the end of a season. and We're at the beginning of a season. And the one who connects that is Jesus Christ, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. Three things I would encourage you to think about as we prepare to enter into a new period of time. Three Christian principles that are just so very simple and yet so very meaningful. The first one is this. As we strive to do a better job in this new opportunity that we have than we did in the past. The first principle simply is to get something you've never had before you've got to be willing to do something you've never done before. If you were hesitant to truly commit yourself to Jesus Christ and to be faithful in him to guide you and to lead you, then this is the time to make that commitment as we go into the new season. If you want to, do, if you want to have something that you've never had before, then you must be willing to do something that you've never done before. Commit yourself. 
to Jesus Christ, the King, the Lord, the Savior. The second principle is an interesting one because all of us feel that we have lost something, that things have taken away from us from time to time, and we wonder why. And I suggest you to think in these terms. When God takes something from your grasp, he is not punishing you. He is simply asking you to open your hands so that he can give you something better than you had. There's so many things in life that we grasp at and hold on to that we think are so dear to us that only anchor us down. And sometimes we have to lose those things. So anytime you find that God has taken something out of your grasp, think in these terms. He's not punishing you. He's simply giving you the opportunity to open your hands so that he can give you something even better. Trust in Jesus Christ our king. And the final principle is this. The will of God will never take you to where the grace of God will not protect you. Yes, answering God's call to be witnesses to him may take us into some new territory sometime, and it can be very dangerous territories. I think of our own missionary, Jeff, who has accepted a call to go into a very difficult mission field. And I think whether he had it in these particular words or not, in his heart, Jeff knew exactly that the will of God would not take him to a place that the grace of God would not protect him. He had a burning passion to go to the place where he could, where Jesus Christ the King was not known and where he could introduce him, not by preaching, which is against the law, not by proselytizing, but by living that life before the people to whom he went to minister. The will of God will never take you to a place that the grace of God cannot protect you. We stand in an awesome place today, looking back and looking ahead. We stand at the throne of Jesus Christ, our King. Let us serve him faithfully. Amen.